All right. So I'm going to read today from 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, a couple of times a year, I talk about money uh, with an emphasis on giving. Uh, this is one of those times. Uh, lock the doors. Um, <laughs> money's weird, y'all. Money is weird. Uh, there's about a third of the people in church who think uh, you talk about it too much. There's about a third of the people who think we don't talk about it enough, and there's about a third of the people who think we should never talk about it again. And that's just the way it is. Uh, money's not evil. Loving money can take you to some dark and dicey places. Uh, having money is not a sign that you've been blessed. There are some people who have a lot of money, and the reason they have a lot of money is because uh, they are selfish and mean and oppressive. And then there are people who have a lot of money because they're blessed. And so you can't really just say, well, let me show, show me your bank account balance and I'll tell you whether you're a good person or not. Doesn't, doesn't work that way. Okay? But we're going to talk a little bit today about uh, giving. Uh, but more than that, we want to talk about ownership. We want to talk about stewardship. And, and every, every sermon has what we in the business call a hook, right? And the hook is the thing that everything else in the sermon hangs on. And so I'm just going to throw that out at you, and uh, I'm going to let you tell me later what was the hook, okay? Now, there is a hook, so it's not one of those things where every answer is right, Okay? This is not a participation trophy. You're going to have to win this one, all right? Okay, so let's read. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity, generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. All right, Lord, I pray uh, that you will speak to us today. I believe that this is important. It's an important word, one that we need to hear, not just with our heads, uh, but with our hearts. And so I pray that our hearts 
and be open to you. And that we would hear your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus talked about money. He talked about possessions a good bit. Uh, mostly he talked about ownership and stewardship. Uh, in the New Testament, there are 215 verses about faith. There are 218 verses about salvation, and there are 2,084 verses that deal with stewardship and accountability for money and possessions. So Jesus actually talked more about money and hell than just about anything else. And uh, so we'll talk about hell later on. But today, <laughs> of his 38 parables... 38 parables that Jesus taught, 16 of them dealt directly uh, with stewardship or the handling uh, of money and possessions. Uh, Martin Luther said one time that for someone to be completely converted, there had to be three conversions. Uh, there had to be the conversion of the heart, the conversion of the mind, and the conversion of the purse. Uh, so men, looks like it's just the women. Unfortunately, there's a man purse. Okay. Dealing with money is really pretty simple. We just have to learn to acknowledge God's ownership, trust God's provision, and then give and spend obediently. It really boils down to those three things. Acknowledge God's ownership, trust God's provision, give and spend obediently. So what, what is this ownership piece? There are very few things in, in the Bible that are clearer than this. God owns everything. God owns everything. Psalm 24.1 says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness of it. What that means is all of it. Uh, Exodus 19.5 and 6 says, all the earth is mine, says the Lord. Job 41.11, whatever is under the whole of heaven is mine, says the Lord. Haggai 2.8, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. So God is the owner. Everything belongs to him. Everything you have is his. Everything I have is his. And when we understand ownership, the question is not how much of my money do I give? The question becomes, how does God want me to use what he has entrusted to my stewardship. And when we fail to understand ownership, we make ourselves vulnerable to pride. Uh, Daniel 4.30, in incredible passage. Uh, read Daniel 4.30 and 31 sometimes. It'll blow your mind. Nebuchadnezzar says this in Daniel 4.30. Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power? And for the glory of my majesty, this is, this is what Nebuchadnezzar says. The following verse, verse 31 says this, while the words were still in his mouth, God took everything. <laughs> I mean, come on. So pride is not where we want to be. And when we, when we misunderstand ownership and we think that things are ours, we can fall subject to pride. So when we understand ownership, then pride is replaced with thankfulness because there is an abundance 
of things that have been given to us by the Lord, not for our ownership, but for our stewardship. And when we understand that, that everything is his, but he has given us the things that are in our possession, then thankfulness replaces pride. So ownership is number one. Second thing is provision. Uh, trusting in God's provision is not presumption. It's actually learning to hear God's voice and to know what he wants you to trust him for. Uh, Francis Frangipane said one time that what God's truth requires, his grace provides. Now, fear and greed are probably the two things that keep us from trusting God's provision. The fear that we won't have what we need. And then the greed that causes us to actually want more than we need. Often the problem with both of those is not really understanding the difference between what we need and what we want. So because I wanted to understand what we really need, I Googled it. And according to the U.S. News and World Report, these are the top 10 things that we need. You, you want to just throw, can you throw those up there? Do you have those? 10 things? Maybe not. Number 10 is a portable computer. Need that, right? Number nine, high-speed internet. Number eight, a smartphone. Number seven, education. Number six, movies. Not good movies, just movies. Number five, TV. I'm serious. This is what the U.S. News and World Report found out from their research. Number four, music downloads. Why do we need music downloads? We have YouTube. Okay. Number three, pets. Do I have your attention now? Pets. Are we on track? Right after pets, you know what number two is? Alcohol. You know what comes after alcohol? Of course you do. Coffee. <laughs> Coffee is our number one need. Well, let me just tell you, if, number, if alcohol is your number two need, coffee better be your number one need. <laughs> Philippians 4.19 says this. My God will meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Guys, it's not, God is not going to supply those 10 things. That's not what he's about. That's not what he's after. And so if those are the things that you need, you may strike out. But if you understand what it is you truly need, you, you need life, you need purpose, you need meaning, you need relationship, God will provide those things. He will give you life when you give yourself to him. He will give you purpose and meaning in that life. He says, I came that you might have life and have it at its absolute highest level. He will give you relationship with himself and with others when you surrender yourself to him. 
So you ask then the question, why do I still have needs? I love God. I want to follow him. I'm surrendered to him. Why is it then that I still have needs? It may be that you don't, that you still have needs because you haven't asked for the things that God wants you to ask for. James says you have not because you ask not, but it also could be, according to James, that you, you have not because you've asked, but you've asked for the wrong thing or you've asked for it in the wrong way. Because we have to understand that provision is a privilege, not a right. There's, a, there's some subtle turns in theology. It's not enough to have right theology. Your action has to align with God's heart. I'll give you an example of that. There were some people in the New Testament who wanted to force Jesus to be king. Their theology was mostly right because Jesus is a king. And he did come to earth to reign. But what they didn't understand was the process. Their theology was close to right, but their hearts and their actions didn't understand God's process. So think about it this way. Demanding abundance without respect for God's process is a lot like being a prodigal. The prodigal son came to his father and demanded his inheritance. Who did the inheritance belong to? It belonged to him. It was owned by the father, but it was promised to his son. He wasn't asking for anything that he didn't have a right to ask for. He was just violating the process of the father. He didn't respect the father's process. He wanted what was due him according to his process, according to his time. And a lot of times when we say, I've done everything I'm supposed to do. I've prayed. I've read my Bible. I've trusted God. I've believed. Why do I not have all the things that I want? It's because we might understand what's promised, but we haven't respected the process. And this is, this is not just about money. This is not just about provision. This is about everything. This is about relationship. If you have a relationship that is not where you think it should be or where you want it to be, if you in your career are not where you want to be, you're not in the place where you feel like God has you know, prophetically spoken over you that this, you're, this is going to happen, you're going to do this, there are all sorts of things. You can apply this really to every part of your life. You might even say that, this is the hook. Everything in your life will rise or fall according to what? According to your trust in God. Your trust in his process. You can believe all of the right things and come up short because you fail to trust God's timing and God's process in things. The prodigal son only got one thing wrong. The thing that he got wrong was when. When. Now, here's the good news. 
Uh, his misunderstanding of the process didn't make the father not love him. Father kept, kept loving him, waited for him, celebrated him when he returned. Who did his failure to trust the father's process hurt? It hurt him. It hurt him. It, it put him in the bad place where he wasted years and resources and put himself at risk. So, provision. Provision is not something we demand. Provision is given to us as we trust, as we believe, as we give ourselves to God's process. Third thing, we have to learn to give and spend obediently. One of the things that Jesus said over and over that we quote often is, I only do what I see the Father doing, or I only do what I hear the Father saying. Uh, it would be great if all of us could say, I only spend what the Father tells me to spend. Whew. I only spend what I hear the Father saying, spend. Uh, now, again, spending comes back to ownership. If we remember and acknowledge that God is the owner, we will spend more faithfully. And if not, we'll fall into the trap of, I have it, I can spend it. But if he owns it, maybe we should surrender it before we spend it. When we live by faith, sometimes God will ask us to give more than we think we can. Sometimes, he'll actually ask us to keep more than we think we should. And the key for us is to be obedient in both of those places. The key is, do you recognize him as the owner, and are you allowing him to direct your giving, your spending, and your saving? Because he wants it all. He wants it all. Now, here are a couple of keys that we need to keep in mind when it comes to, to giving in particular in the church. Number one is that New Testament giving is voluntary. New Testament giving is voluntary. In Acts chapter 2, verse 45, it says that they gave to meet others' needs. In Romans 15, it's, Paul talks about people giving because they wanted to and they were pleased to do so. 1 Corinthians 9 and 1 Timothy 5 says that they voluntarily gave to support Christian workers. Philippians 4 says that they gave for the expansion of Christian outreach. The thing you need to notice about New Testament giving is that no amount is ever talked about. No percentage is ever mentioned because people gave freely and generously because they believed in and cared about the mission of the church. That's why they gave. They didn't give a certain percentage because they believed that if they did, they would get huge things back. They gave what they gave 
generously, without compulsion, because they believed in the mission of the church. So let me mention these things in closing. Five reasons to give. Number one, it's a tangible way to worship and show gratitude. It's a tangible way to worship and show gratitude. Number two, your giving meets the needs of other people. It does. And I can promise you, uh, nothing will bless you more than seeing what you give bless someone else. Uh, we're going to have a chance uh, this coming week uh, to write some checks from the money that you gave on Christmas Eve. And we're going to be able to significantly help some of your friends. And you, sh you should feel incredible about that. You should feel so blessed that God has given you the opportunity to participate in that. Number three, there are rewards. The Bible talks about that there are rewards laid up for you in heaven. Well, I'm just guessing here, but I'm guessing that when you get to heaven, the rewards that you get probably won't be like money. I'm, I'm guessing, I'm just guessing that the rewards that you lay up in heaven are gonna be so much better than money that you'll even forget money ever existed. But giving and being generous and being obedient in the way that you give has to do with more than just what's here and now. It does have to do with here and now. It blesses others. It advances the kingdom. It helps the mission of the church. But it also has an impact on your future. So it has to do with more than just this world. Rewards in heaven. If you don't believe me, look at 1 Corinthians 3, Philippians 4, Matthew 25. Fourth thing, and this is a big deal, giving breaks the power of money. Some of us live through much of our life under the slavery of money. The fear of not having enough causes us to be hoarders. And if you want to break the poverty spirit, one of the best ways to do that is to give. And then the fifth thing is the fifth reason to give is because it's obedient. First Timothy 6, Luke 6, and Proverbs 3 all say, and those are just three passages of many, they all say that it is obedient to give. Jesus didn't say, if you give, do this, this, and this. He said, when you give. So the expectation is that we give. Now, here's, here's what I want to say as we prepare uh, to, to pray for folks. If you have never given, then I, I want to encourage you to make this the year that you start giving. And the reason is it will be good for you. Now, let me say this. Um, we are, I don't know what the percentage is. I think we're like 99.5 or 99.9% .9 of budget in giving. Uh, we're like just 
a few dollars away uh, from making budget for the year. And that money will probably come in this week from checks that have just been slow coming. Now, we fully expect to make budget. Here's, here's the good news. I mean, that's pretty good news, but here's the better news. We have been conservative, and we have signif spent significantly less than we budgeted. And so we will finish the year around $300,000 to the good. Now, I say that to say this. I'm, I'm not up here talking about giving because we need your money. We, we really don't. I'm talking about giving, and specifically uh, to those of you who have never done so, because it will be good for you. It will be good for you because it will get you involved in what God is doing in, way, in a way that maybe you never have been before. And it could break this fear of not having enough. Uh, there is a principle in Scripture called sowing and reaping, reaping and sowing. And, and the Bible says that you, know, you reap what you sow. He also says that the one who is faithful with a little will be given a lot. And so if you, if you feel like, you know, I just have a little bit, I can't really give, but if I had a lot, I would, probably not. Because the principle that Scripture teaches is that the one who is faithful with a little is given a lot because God knows that they'll be faithful with a lot as well. And so it could be that the thing that's holding you back, if you've been afraid to give because you're afraid of not having enough, that could be the very thing that's holding you back. So if you've never given, I would just encourage you to pray about beginning to give this year. Second thing I would say is that if you've, if you've always given a little, or you've always given a set amount, maybe even a set percentage, I would encourage you to pray and ask the Lord this year, what do you want me to give? Ask him, involve God in the process, and just instead of just assuming that there's a set percentage that he wants you to give or a set amount that, hey, God, we've always done it this way, it's the way it's always been, and uh, let's just keep doing what we've been doing. Ask God, take some time, set aside, pray, get with your, your spouse or your family. Uh, if, you're, if you're single, just you and Jesus, talk about it. Uh, and ask him, Lord, what do you want me to give? Where do you want me to give? Uh, who else do you want to be involved in the process? All of us. All of us have an opportunity this year to move into a place of deeper trust. And I promise you, I promise you, trusting God more will have a greater impact on your life than just about anything. Trusting God, trusting God with the process, believing that it's not just about having correct theology, it's not just about knowing what God has promised, but it's trusting God to bring things to pass according to his plan, according to his will and way, if we can learn to trust him 
rather than freak out every time things don't happen when and where we want them to happen. Nothing will impact our lives better, more positively than that. You want to live in peace? Want to live with joy? Learn to trust. God is good, and he loves us, and he wants to bless us. He has laid out for us really a, a process for that. Trust him. Let's do it together, all right? Let's pray. Lord, we acknowledge that there's a little bit of prodigal in all of us. Every one of us has a little bit of prodigal son, prodigal daughter in us because we, we want things. We, we want the things that you want for us, but we, we kind of want them when we want them. And we don't always wait for your plan. We don't always trust your process. We get impatient. And so we just want to confess to you that you are Lord and you are in charge. You're a good father. We want to trust you. We want to trust you fully. We don't want to be prodigals anymore. So Lord, I pray you break off fear, break off control, break off greed and allow us to walk with you in a trusting way. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna ask our teams to come and get in place, get ready to, to pray for folks. As we go into this ministry time, uh, a couple of things. Keep in mind that uh, we're not just talking about money today. We're really talking about trusting God's process. And so there may be some of you in this room today who... You know, money's not even on your radar. You're not even thinking about that. That's not a big deal to you. But, but you have something in your life that you just wish that God would do differently. You just don't understand why things aren't going. Maybe there's a relationship or, like I said, a job, a career, something. There's something in your life that's not going the way you thought it should go, the way you wanted it to go. And you're having a hard time just giving that to God and trusting him to be in charge. Uh, so uh, if that's you, I encourage you to come and, and just let one of these teams pray for you and, and pray that, that God would give you the grace to just let go of control, trust his process, and stop making demands on God and start trusting him. Secondly, some of you are in that, that boat of, never really given, and uh, maybe, maybe this is something I need to do. We, we would love to pray for you and just bless you as you seek to obey God in that. And then others of you, God is saying, I want, I want you to do something different than you've ever done. If that's you, we'd love to pray for you too. But also, there are other things. Some of you need physical healing, and, and that may be the thing. You know, you, you may be just, I don't understand. I've been praying for healing my whole life, and I don't understand why God hasn't healed me. And maybe today is the day where you actually just put that in his hands and say, I, I trust you. So whatever your situation is, whatever your need, uh, we would love to pray for you. 
uh, and, and pray that you and God would grow closer in this moment, all right? I wanna ask you to stand. I'm gonna pray for us, and then I do encourage you to come um, and let these wonderful people pray for you. Well, Jesus, thank you. You're, you're trustworthy. You've never failed. You have never failed us. And I know I, I, I still, even though your record is perfect, I still get impatient at times. And I, I confess that, I repent of that. I pray, Lord, today would be a day of trusting, of, of growing in trust, increasing in our trust. You are good. You are good. Your process, your plan is perfect. Help us to trust you. Holy Spirit, move here today. Move in our hearts. Help us to surrender more and more and more until we are fully surrendered to you. In Jesus' name, amen.